This episode is brought to you by Dollar Shave Club, and I know, I know another ad, right? But I personally use Dollar Shave Club all the time and have been using them for years. Uh, I remembered I would always buy the disposable razors, and I would they wouldn't last. They would cut you, and then when you would get the more expensive ones, they they were just really expensive, and you had to keep buying them until I came across Dollar Shave Club. Then, you know, it changed the game forever with razors. And now they offer way more than just razor. They offer skincare products, hair care products, hair stuff, gel, pomade, you name it. They offer a whole variety of different products. I mean, you don't believe me? Go give them a try and then you'll love them. Click the link in each episode and or our bio and you'll love them. You're going to be helping the podcast. Or if you want to help the podcast too, if you are if you go over to Anchor FM, there's a donation button. You can sign up, donate every month. Uh, thank you guys to the people who have signed up and continue to donate. I truly appreciate it. So click the link. Go check out Dollar Shave Club. And let's get into your episode. Alright, we're live. Welcome back to Mesco Mobile. It's your boy, the one with the scar space, your boy Scarface. And today I brought back John for another episode. What's up, guys? And it's funny because I asked him the other day, I was like, hey, you gonna come? And he didn't answer me. We, he didn't give me a solid answer. And then he texted me right now. He's like, hey, I'm outside. I'm like, oh, shit. You. Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought we were like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna come. I need, a, I need a solid yes or no. Yeah, my bad. For next time. Next time, <laughs> yes for next time. But, uh, so today we had a special guest. I've been wanting to have you guys on for a while. And you guys also got nominated for Best Salon in Eastern Idaho, Best Hairstylist, uh, both of you guys, and then Best Nail Tech. Mm-hmm. And those, yeah. are, those are it, right? And best. Nail Salon as well. No, the, oh, nail yeah. salon. Is it nail tech and nail salon? Yeah, oh, we so got nominated in four. Yeah, oh, yeah. dang. Crazy. Okay, so I haven't been voting for all four then. My bad. <laughs> I've been voting for three of them. Bunny's no. going to get mad at you. Hey, <laughs> I didn't know. Okay. But anyways, <laughs> we have Coco and Mighty from Divine Expressions, right? That's yes. what it's called. So w- welcome to the podcast. I'm glad you, were, you guys were able to make it finally. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. We're so, excited. Yeah, and uh, I want to I want to get people people to get to know you guys, you know, cause you guys, everyone has an interest, interesting story, especially when you have a business. Uh, it's not all easy. Like a lot of people, you know, think it, it is. Yeah. So, um, are you guys originally from Idaho Falls? No, we are from Guanajuato, Mexico, born there. And then I came, um, we came here when I was seven and I believe Coco was like, I was one. Old. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit before nine, I wasn't even walking yet. Yeah. Before yeah. nine months? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, so you guys were born in, born in Mexico. There? So being born there so young, did you guys have to cross a certain way? Oh, yes, <laughs> we did. Was, was that tough? Like, do you, do you remember? I do remember. Um, we actually, I always tell the story, but um, yeah, Coco was nine months old and um, it was me, Lorena. She also does hair. And mm-hmm. then um, Coco and we were in a house, you know, um, just waiting for my parents to come over. So we crossed first without mm-hmm. them, without them. Okay. And then, um, I was taking care of Coco and I remember she was just this big baby, you know, and I would just <laughs> carry her everywhere. But, you know, we spent a few days there and, um, um, without my parents and, and they were trying to cross. And um, my dad was already here, actually, but my mom was trying to cross and they didn't make it, you know, a couple of times. And I remember thinking, where the heck are they? Why, why is this? You know, why are they gone? Not understanding everything. I was seven and then Lori six and Coco was nine months old. And, you know, finally, um, 
um, they made it over. But I have this memory of Coco, like always, you know, she was nine months old. So my mom was still breastfeeding her and everything. So I have a funny story. She would always just suck on my cheek <laughs> when I would carry her, you know. I love tickies <laughs> on her cheek. So I remember when my mom came, my mom was like, what are all those red marks, you mm. know? And I'm sure it was just comfort for her. And she would just suck on my cheek because <laughs> my mom wasn't, you know, breastfeeding her. So, um, and then we finally, you know, they finally made it. And then, so you said it, it took them a while to get over because they get getting they got caught. caught. Yeah, uh, and can. usually when you get caught, I don't know how it, it was back then or how it is now. Just because I've been luckily enough to be born here, yes. you know, you know, I'm grateful for that for my parents. Um, but do they hold you in a jail cell or do they just like take you back or do you know? Do you, do you know what the process was I, for them? I think they held them for a little bit and then after they checked everything they would just release them and send them back to Mexico mm-hmm. and then they would you know just try again try again yeah until yeah. they made it where were you guys staying when they were trying to cross we were staying at a house um con you know what we would call a coyote so oh. we were just waiting yeah. for them to make it over mm-hmm. so yeah did it, at any point did you get like worried like uh are they even gonna come because yes. like, i don't know if you guys uh, talked on the phone or anything like we, that we actually didn't talk at all um to them but i remember my mom would call and check up on us and let them know um And I was very worried because I was like, my mom's good. I know. I know Mm -hmm. she, why is she in a jail? Like, I didn't understand that, you Mm -hmm. know, like she's a good person. Like, we just, we just want to come here. Why is that so bad? You know what I mean? (laughs) Seven years old. That's all I thought. And, um, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, because like not a lot of people know the struggles that our parents had to go through, uh, especially since we were so young or like myself, I was actually born here. I, I really didn't know like them crossing over or anything like that. And I don't know if you guys listen to uh, Belinda's podcast, you, you know, when she, unfortunately her husband ended up getting stranded in the desert and that ended up, you know, dehydrating and dying, which is, which is hard because it destroys families. You know what I mean? Like that could have, thank God, God it went perfectly well. Like they came, they're here, they're fine. But at that time they could have, it could have went South real quick. You know, especially yeah. in the, yeah. I don't know if exactly. they crossed through the desert or anything like that. I think it was water. Yeah. Oh, okay. And luckily, I think for us back then, things were not so um, strict. So when we passed um, through, they passed us with like, uh, like, Mika's trucas. Mika's trucas, exactly. So we were. Also, we, you guys just like. We just crossed over through the border and that's why we, they got separated. Okay. You know, and since I was a baby, I any papers were good papers for to get me over because mm-hmm. um, they didn't like all babies looked alike, I guess. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was it was really hard to hear back on these stories because um, I do know that that lady was like abusive. She hated I was still in diapers. Mm-hmm. She would always hit me every time that I soiled a diaper and Mari would kind of have to defend me at seven. I mean, at that house, yeah, at that mm-hmm. house, yeah, wow. and so she would get very, very angry, and she would hit me every time that I was um, had a dirty diaper, <laughs> that I had a dirty diaper, that I was hungry. I mean, I was a baby; I, I needed attention, you know. And um, Mari had to step up, and you know, even since the age of seven, she's always been a caregiver, and she's always been one to look out mm-hmm. for for you know, her family. So she did that for me. She, she tried to change my diaper. She tried to comfort me and she tried to make it. So 
I didn't get that person angry so she wouldn't hit me. So, I mean, it was something that like looking back, I don't have memories of that, mm -hmm. but I will always be grateful for my sister for, for taking care of me so young while my parents weren't here. I mean, my parents had no idea Yeah, they, we were with a, with a lady. It was a lady. It wasn't even a man, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that they just thought like, you know, she's probably a mother. She, she'll take good care of my kids. And, um, hearing about that later, I think really affected her as well to know that she thought she left us in good hands. And, um, no, they were like desesperados wanting, yeah. wanting my parents to come back. They thought that they had just done their job and were ready to hand us off. You know, I bet you that was hard when, did you have to break that news to your, your, your parents? Yeah, I was, um, I just remember standing in a corner and her just hitting her and being like, I, I need to get the courage. Like, how do I tell her to stop? Mm -hmm. How do I tell her to leave her? I can change her diaper. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and so finally I did. And I remember like they would kind of let me after that, you know? Mm. Um, and um, I just remember feeling the relief when they finally made it. And we should say um, there was three of us there in that house, but we had um, Lourdes, Hector and Lupe. Yeah. Am I missing something? No. We have okay. three other brothers. So we come from a family of seven. And so they actually crossed the border with my mom. Mm. And so they were actually, um, you know, um, with them too. So I just remember feeling the biggest relief when I saw my mom finally make it in the door. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't have to be the responsible one yeah. like if, you know what i mean like i can be not. a child again <laughs> yeah. yeah and you're seven that's i have a younger brother that's 10 and i mean that's older than seven and three years is a lot but imagine like people are listening like seven years like you're a kid like, yeah you yeah barely know anything and trying to have courage to like step up something like that's crazy is your is your two bond your bond really close even to this day or yeah i think so We're really i mean close. yeah yeah, I mean, yeah. luckily, I think we are all really close, but I would definitely say that the three sisters that do hair, we see each other every single day. And you got it. Yeah, you we got that, kind got of that passion that that connect us connects us as well. And so, um, I do think that we are extremely close. So, your other sister was she there too at the same house? Lorena, yes. How, how was she like with like dealing with all this? Because she was a what like a year younger than you at the time. Yeah, a year younger. Um, you know, I don't really remember much about her. Like it's so bad, but I just I I think she was just trying to hang in there. She's a little bit more shy and mm -hmm. kind of introverted. So, um, I just remember mostly like about me and Coco, and I think it's because I was trying to take care of her, you what? know. But I don't I don't remember much about Lori. Yeah, you know? I think you remember that mainly just because it was more of a like traumatic yes. experience. You know, we we tend to remember those those times like we almost wrecked or you know like something happened, something bad happened. You you remember almost like every little detail that that happened just because it was like so scary at the time. So your parents come, and then you guys come to Idaho right away, or do you guys go to somewhere else? We stayed in California for about a year. Mm -hmm. It was in 1990, but everything froze. Um, my dad um, trabajaba en la pizca de naranja, so mm -hmm. over there. So um, everything froze that year, and I know my dad was really stressed because, you know, all of a sudden it was. It used to be just him that he was here, and then he went and brought us all over. And so it was really stressful for him to, um, you know, have uh nine more well how many was it you know it was most of the time because we eight. didn't have our younger sister yet yeah. so eight yeah so um i know it was really hard so he actually had some buddies here in um 
in Idaho and said, you know, come and work, uh, you know, over here at the farms in Las Papas. So mm -hmm. um, he did and he tried it out for about, you know, a, a few months until he was able to um, save enough money. And then we came from California in December. I remember that. Oh, remember. Um, and I remember my dad had a van with like no heater, honestly, and it was no seats. It was all open in the back. And then it, we had an uncle and an aunt that lived with us. So we just piled and huddled all together and we had blankets and everything until, and I remember my mom would just cry and cry because, you know, she came from California. It was warm and it, here she's like, where are you taking us? So we go past Utah, past Idaho Falls. And it was getting colder and <laughs> uglier and drier as the, the road trip went on. So she definitely, it took her quite a few years because I think California resembles Mexico. So it was something that mm -hmm. she could get used to super easy. Um, but as soon as we came over here, uh, especially in December, in December, yeah, <laughs> that's like right in the middle of yeah. winter. At least it wasn't January, end of Feb, like beginning of February when it's windy and it's cold. Oh, yeah, it's even worse. So, where did you guys end up here in Idaho Falls? Or, um, we ended up in a small town, um, called Beaver Creek. <laughs> it is close to uh, Dubois, Idaho. Most people don't uh -huh. even uh, even hear of that. Like, um, but it's a big farming community. Mm -hmm. And actually, that little town, um, there was just like a few trailer houses, like maybe six or seven, um, that they rented out to the people that worked there. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where we we ended up. I mean, there was absolutely no stores. There was a shop, and the shop had a vending machine. So that is where we would go to get like snacks and stuff. That was like your gas station. <laughs> that was our literally our gas station. And so, um, yeah, I mean the, the closest town was probably like 15 minutes away and it was, it was Dubois. If anybody's ever been to Dubois, you know that that's, it's a very small town, but it has everything that you need, you know, it has a gas station, post office, sheriff's office. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, that's where we, that's where we ended up in little old Beaver Creek. Because you guys probably went, what's, what's the school that's out there? The, Westshire, like, is it Westshire? Um, no. That's a little bit further. So yeah. Dubois has its own school. So it's oh. a Clark County um, Clark High County High School, Clark County Elementary. So they have their own school there. Was that pretty small? Um, yeah. Yeah, actually. Um, it, well, my class was one of the bigger ones, but I do know that like a few years ago, they had a graduating class of four. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, our class was, I think, 32. And mm -hmm. so then we had one of the, the bigger classes. But, uh, you know, a class of 10, 12 is common for a graduating class there. Seven through 12th, I think, when we were there, um, it was 100 students oh, from 7th to 12th grade. And um, I remember my Lorena's class was six when yeah. we were, yeah, but they were really close. I mean, I loved it. Go Looking back, I loved it. I loved the opportunities that it gave us. If you wanted to play a sport, all you had to do is want to, yeah. and you would be in. You didn't have to try out. And here, you know, in Idaho Falls, you have to do the tryouts and all this stuff, and if you haven't done it for you know, a good amount of your life, it's kind of hard to make it into a team. So over there, um, and the teachers knew you, they knew the Garcia girls, you know, we say, we say girls, but we have a brother too. Yeah. <laughs> Can't leave them out. And, um, you know, we all knew each other. Um, 
And yeah, it was really nice. Because I remember we had Fernando on the podcast and he, yeah. he talked about he also had like a, you just got to know everybody. Like you knew yes. everybody, which in my head is good, but it, it can also be bad because like if <laughs> drama happens then you're like, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're fighting with the four in your class. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. the same people, like you're going to see them every day. So did yeah. you guys, how, how were you guys like as high school students? Were you guys into hair, anything like that? Um, I know that I would always like, I mean, I think that as soon as I found out, um, I was one of the younger sisters, so, mm-hmm. um, they would all get ready. My mom wouldn't let me use makeup, but as soon as they left the bathroom, I would go in there and I'd steal their stuff mm-hmm. and take it to school. And then I'd go to the bathroom and apply the makeup in all the wrong ways, you know, <laughs> but like I, I use like super heavy eyeliner and I remember just, Looking back at the pictures, because I have like the school pictures of them, it looked awful. <laughs> but the girls there were just like, oh my gosh, I love your eyeliner. Can you do mine? So here we all look- are looking like raccoons with this like <laughs> thick old eyeliner on, um, you know, and then kind of had to hide from my sister because they were graduating as I was entering the, the, the junior high and the high school were together. Mm-hmm. And so then I had to kind of like hide from them so they didn't see me. So they didn't see that I had their makeup. And then at the end of the day, just like wash it off real quick and go home. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I started with, um, the love of everything beauty. Um, but for me, right. I, I remember thinking like that wasn't my thing at all mm-hmm. ever. Um, I remember thinking like, no, but I think, I think what was for me is I don't like anything heavy or I, I like more of the natural look. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think I didn't really care when I was younger. I didn't start caring until I was like in seventh grade when I got my own job and then I was able to like, you know, buy my own clothes and just starting my own style. Then I, I, and then I felt like I was a different person. You know, mm-hmm. everybody was like, well, that's money, you know, like she's actually cute or she's okay, <laughs> you know, but I just started to try. Then it started to get my interest a little bit more, but I've always been more into the natural look. Um, and so, um, there when I started to discover that, that it doesn't have to be dramatic or mm-hmm. crazy or, you know, whatever. And, and then that's when I, I saw that I, I actually, it was my thing. Yeah. And, um, I had a cousin that wanted to do beauty school. And so I was like, Oh, is that a thing? Uh, okay. And so it just started then. Right after so, high school? Like around seventh or eighth grade oh, okay. that I started to, have an interest for it okay and you said you were working at the time right yes at seventh grade um 14 is that is that is that because isn't grade? it like 15 yeah. well, <laughs> like I, I don't know because no. i i remember i started working at 13 but same. with someone else's social yeah, same. just so i could work yeah. but you can't start, i know places that do hire you at 14 mm-hmm. 14 and a half i don't know back then, like yeah what were you doing i was working at a gas station oh, okay um, making sandwiches and pizzas oh it wasn't at the like a deli at the farm and stuff uh, no it was at the gas station well, the and gas station isn't it a vending machine? No, she, well, you were just we restock- had we had no. <laughs> no, we moved to a, a little bit of a, a bigger town, so we went from Beaver Creek to Dubois. Mm. Oh, geez. yeah. So Dubois had a, like an actual gas station. Didn't they have like two gas stations at one point? Yes, they did. And then yeah, because Neldon's also from there, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, uh-huh. they 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 gave me a tour of the big town of Dubois. <laughs> And so, yeah, they were like, there used to be two gas stations. Like, don't blink, you'll miss it. But 
That's crazy. So you started working there and did anybody else in your family start? We all did basically. Yeah. As soon as we could work. I mean, because um, luckily my, my mom was a stay at home mom. And so then she stayed there with us, but it made things really difficult for my dad. You know, it was um, one guy maintaining all of these kids mm -hmm. and um, uh, he worked, he did work at, at uh, Una Planta. De, de papas and I remember um, we had a field trip there one time and um, when I would see my dad I always thought he worked with water like because um, when he would come home he would be all wet mm -hmm. you know and so then um, I was so excited when we were going to take this field trip to to the planta so we could kind of see you know and then when they showed me where my dad worked like I I was shocked that it wasn't with water you know what mm. i mean it was it was like you know i i was asking specifically like where is this area like i know my dad works here and they showed me and so then i i told my dad you know i'm like i thought you worked with water like you why do you always come home wet and it was it was sweat yeah it was he, he was his body was drenched in sweat and he would work um like 14 hour days sometimes yeah. i think the longest shift he did was a 23 hour day Damn. Um, you know, to be able to sustain us getting paid minimum wage, which, you mm -hmm. know, at the time was like $5, $5 oh, yeah. an hour. And so then um, it was something that I feel like um, my parents never really wanted us to work in that area because, you know, they you put in a lot of hours. And at the same time, when you get your check, yeah, like yeah. you're just like, oh, this is a pretty good check. You know, you don't see that you're working so much and giving your whole life away mm -hmm. you know you just see the that check at the end and and it just becomes something that you get used to and so um i know that my oldest brother he's the second oldest um he started doing that and i think there was a little bit of a time where he was like well i want to drop out of school like i'll do this instead i'll mm -hmm. just work and i think that that kind of scared my mom and didn't want us to work in that area because she's just like you guys are gonna get um like sucked into into this cycle, mm. you know, of los Mexicanos trabajando en bodegas, and um, and she was, I think, nervous for us that we wouldn't be able to get out and want want something like more of an education for ourselves. And we should say, you know, my dad, uh, we look up to him so much. Um, he did everything, you know. Mm -hmm. He would, they would call him four hours before he had to go to work. He was ready just in case they called him. Mm -hmm. He would stay four hours after, you know, his eight-hour shift. And then um, he always did things. He eventually worked his way up to um, buying trailers, and then he would rent, rent them out, you mm -hmm. know, to get extra money to be able to sustain all of us. And um, my mom, like she said, stayed at home. Um, and, you know, I bet it drove her crazy. But then my dad would get firework, um, firewood mm -hmm. on his days off and get extra money for that. So he, we would go. Oh, yeah. We would go and chop down firewood and, and load Carry the trucks it. and stuff. On Sundays, he would um, make carnitas. And mm -hmm. so then he was always doing something. Mm -hmm. He was never giving up. And he would always, like, show us that, you know, if you want something, you've got to work hard for it. You yeah. know, he wanted to have his family close by. Um it was hard for him too, being here by himself and having all of his kids grow up without him. Mm -hmm. He comes from a family of 17. Oh, wow. And yeah. he's the only one, you know, they, they all stayed in Guanajuato and, and my dad was the only one that came here, mm -hmm. you know. Was there a reason why he left? So, so he had, um, he, since he was little, he always said he felt like he, he was meant for something bigger. 
he was meant to take his family out of there. And um, he lived in, in very severe poverty in, in in Mexico, you know, like they, their family had land, but you had to really work the land and, you know, it didn't give a whole lot back. Um, it was kind of basically for them. And that's, that's it. So he always had this dream of coming here. He knew that he could make something of himself. And so um, he, he uh, had talked to his dad um, and his dad was, was pretty sick at the time, you know, and, and told his dad that he wanted to come here. And, and his dad was, what are you looking for over there? Like Mexico has everything that you want. Mexico has everything that you need. If you wanted to be somebody, you could be somebody here. And my dad's like, I've tried. And I just feel like, you know, you're fighting an uphill battle. I, I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying. And it feels like there's like a roadblock at every step. And so um, my dad ended up going to tell him. And he was um, in the hospital at the time, you know. He was, he was sick. He was diabetic. And he was pretty sick. And so my dad told him, well, I'm I'm leaving. And and my grandpa told him, you know, like, I'll, I'll give you some land. I'll give you anything that you want. Just don't leave. Like I have all my family here. And my dad's like, I'm sorry, but it's just something that, that I need to do. And, and my dad said that that was one of the hardest moments because he knew that he was never going to see his dad again, Mm -hmm. just because he was sick. And, um, because he didn't have plans to give up. He didn't have plans to just go and work for a couple of months. He knew that he was going to work hard until he could bring us all over here. Um, and a few months later, his dad did pass away and, and, and I think that that is something that's always weighed on my dad, but it's one of the the biggest prices he's had to pay mm-hmm. to to raise us, you know. And I think that that is one of the reasons why we don't want to let him down because mm-hmm. that is literally one of the biggest prices that you have to pay is uh, to be away from your own family, your own parents, you know, not be there when they're sick, not be there when they pass away, and um. And luckily, you know, he told us, you know, he came here, he didn't speak any English, still doesn't speak any English. He, you know, he would find a way to translate, you know, find somebody that spoke English um, to go and, and help him out the best that he can. Nos arregló papeles a todos. He paid for everybody, um, which is quite a bit of money to to be able to get the process started. Luckily, he um, qualified for the amnesty. Um Way back when. So that's how he got his papers going. And then from there, he could start processing the papers for us. Um, And so I think like when I was about six or seven is when we actually became like here legally, like we had our our papers and everything. And so um, we know how much my dad's given up for Mm -hmm. us. And Mm -hmm. we definitely don't take that for granted. You know, Um, he said, I, you know, I brought you here. I gave you the papers to... Sorry, I gave you the papers to to be able to work here legally. And um, and he's like, and all I ask you is at least to graduate from from high school, at least, you know. And he's just like, from here on out, if you want to fail, that's on you. Yeah. I've given you absolutely everything to 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 succeed. And if if you decide to not want to continue your education or to, you know, settle that's on you. You had the opportunity. And I think that we've all kind of, our goal is always to make him proud and to make him know that his effort was worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, that's pretty deep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not, not being able to see your, yeah. <clears throat> your, I think that like kind of resembles a lot of people, especially like first generation, um, 
that are yeah. here. Yeah. And like, I, I hear your story and I feel like a lot of people listening right now are reflecting in some way or another. Yeah. Cause, cause you, yeah. Cause you don't really actually sit here and think about it. Like, it, 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 like you said, like, especially the younger generation, because they, all they see is like, they were born here. They're, they're raised here and they're accustomed to this right here. They didn't see the, the sacrifices that, that your parents made, your grandparents made in order to get here. So you can, you know, keep building, keep building up, you know, keep growing. Um, so I'm, I, that's a, a really, you know, powerful story for, especially the younger generation listening, like I said, cause hopefully it motivates them to see what, the, or even, even to ask their parents what they went through to get mm-hmm. here. Cause I'm pretty sure a lot of, uh, the younger kids right now do not know how their parents came over or what happened or, you know, cause I only know a few things cause I have never actually sat down and talked to them and be like, okay, you know, like what happened? But like over time, you're like, oh, how did you get here? Like, what did you do? And, you know, you get tids and bits and stuff like that. And who knows, like somebody else could be sitting on like a story like that. Like, you're like, dang, that's, you know, that's why my dad is like so pushy or like wants yeah. us to do better. And, you know, and, and it's not always just because they're trying to be like mad at you or like trying to, you know, tell you something or get you in trouble or anything like that. So I'm t- I'm I'm like blown away by that story just because yeah. you know that 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 would be hard you know yeah. If, yeah. if you sit here and think about your dad and you're like hey like I have a chance to go do this but I know if I go you're never going to see this person again you know and like that's your dad yeah so so you guys are here like uh, you graduate high school did you guys plan on going to like ISU or some sort of college anything like that school like that I always knew it wasn't for me you know what mm-hmm. I mean like I. I got through school, but um, I wanted to work with my hands. Mm-hmm. I'm a doer. Like, I like to just get at it. I'm a hard worker. Yeah. So, um, I it just four years of college, I was like, oh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. So, um, yeah, I I knew that beauty school was going to be for me. And um, So, did you enroll right after high school? I did. Mm-hmm. I did. Um, so, I went, I started beauty school, graduated in may started mm-hmm. in september how long oh okay and uh at this time did you go and work for somebody or were you just at that time already had your own shop or um, salon, no think? so actually i worked for someone um at the mall i worked there for about six years and then after that i went and worked at austin cade mm-hmm. i got my instructor's license so i was teaching how to cut hair mm-hmm. and do all that and i did that for about 5 years i worked for tyler price and allison price mm-hmm. um there and they actually taught me a lot um i i really grew from there i think my mind just went to a different level from there mm-hmm. and then from there um they taught me a lot about the secrets and mm-hmm. uh, the law, law of attraction, attraction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and um I remember she, she made it seem so simple and she's like, just put what you want on this board and, and you know, all you have to do is want it and it will come to you. And I was like, really? And so I, I remember it was New Year's and I like had my whole family watch the movie in Spanish cause it's in Spanish and English. And mm-hmm. I was like, we're going to do this. And so I started my vision board and it was crazy for me. I know it doesn't happen like this for everyone, but it was crazy for me. Um, I still remember everything that was on my vision board. Um, the very first one, you mm-hmm. know? And so, um, for me, it, a salon was there, you know, like yeah. I think all of a sudden when somebody told me like, it's, 
don't put limits on yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you can do it. I was like, really? And then that's when I just started, you know, to, to go for it. Yeah. And I think a lot of, so I just put that I wanted a salon and then I t- talked to my husband and said, you know, I want this for family and, and I want this so my kids can look one time and be like, Oh, this is what, and I want to make my dad proud. Like yeah. my dad always wanted to have his own business. So that was always in the back of my head too. And, um, so three months later I had a salon. Oh dang. Yeah. See, and I feel like, see, I love, and I hate that book because I love it because you are supposed to put that out there. You are supposed to put like your vision down and like, all your goals and there is no limit like whatever you want like you can make it happen as long as you get rid of that 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 top you know what i mean like some people will be like oh you know i think i want it you know but like no i'm gonna get it that's why i she saw that poster up there and like that's what i believe is gonna happen you know but what i didn't like about the book is that it doesn't tell you the hard work the hard work Mm -hmm. that goes behind it Mm -hmm. yeah you can put make that vision board but if you just make the vision board and just put it up there nothing's going to happen. You know, you got to work towards it. You got to put like, you were putting all these years in it at the mall, working at Austin Cade and then learning a lot. You know, you're always, you guys are always constantly learning. Uh, you guys go to conventions too, right? Like when they were open. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we try to go every year, um, to a different one and, uh, it kind of helps us out cause we do it as like a, like a team building thing, mm-hmm. you know, and then, um, we're there for two or three days and we learn a lot and it's so nice. I mean, this, this industry is like ever changing. And so it's really nice to go and, um, refresh your skills mm-hmm. and see what the new things are and, um, keep on growing. So it's I think that that's, changing. yeah, that education is always, it's necessary. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and not only d- is it necessary, but it also keeps your fire, um, lit. Oh yeah, and so I think just when you're about to have like you know like a I can't do this anymore. I'm putting in too much work. I'm not seeing results or whatever. If you go to a class and remember why you fell in love with what you're in love with, mm-hmm. it just sparks that fire again, and it makes you want to just move forward and um, become the greatest. Yeah. You know, not just that. It makes you see what you don't know, so it motivates exactly. you to yeah. like you're like, dang, I don't keep know. on growing. You know, like. Yeah. You you feel like you get to a point where you feel like you know a lot, but then you get humbled real quick. And you're like, oh, I don't know that much, you know, and like I got to keep learning. I, you know, I got to keep that that fire lit. So after high school, did you go to beauty school right away? Um, no, actually, um, Mari says she liked to do things more hands on. I was more of a thinker. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so after actually like, um, you know, I. I had, um, I got pregnant in my senior year of, of, um, high school. So, um, I had all these plans and all these like visions of where I wanted to go. And then when I got pregnant, I was just kind of like, Oh, (laughs) I guess that's going to be like, you know, like this is, yeah, yeah, this is going to be like a pause, you know? And so then I had my daughter, um, a month before I turned 18. And, um, and so I feel like, at first I saw it as like a, an obstacle, mm-hmm. you know, and I was just kind of like, well, I can't do this because of her. I can't do this because of her. And, um, I ended up getting a job. I, I ended up getting a job as a 911 dispatcher, mm-hmm. um, over in Dubois. And it was one of the best jobs that I've ever had. You grow and you learn and you stop pitting yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you hear all of these Calls that are coming in. Calls that are coming in, exactly. And you see what these people are actually going through. And and you have to um, 
hear them, respond, and move on to the next call. You can't hang on that one call. You can't just be thinking about it over and over again, you know? And, and I think it really helped me grow. Is there one that like stays with you that you haven't forgotten about? Um, there's, there's, there's a few, um, there's definitely, uh, quite a few, <laughs> like I, I worked there for about like three years. And so I can see your mind just racing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, which one do I pick? Because <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of like, uh, there was a lot of traumatic ones. There is a, I think probably the first one that I, um, it took me a little while to get over. It was, um, this Hispanic male that had gotten into a an ATV crash and um, he had gotten into the crash and he hit his head on a rock. And so then, um, you know, they obviously take pictures of the scene and then they give them to me and I have to up upload them and, you know, uh, record everything, record like the, all of the evidence. And um, one of the police officers was kind of showing me and he's like, you see this over here? And I was like, yeah. And he's just like, yeah, that's, that's a part of his brain. Oh, wow. And, and he just said it so calm, you mm -hmm. know, like, and, and I just told him, I'm like, how could you, how could you just say it like that? How could you just say it with no, no emotion? And especially I think is because it was a Hispanic that it hit home mm -hmm. that I was just thinking of his family and just thinking like it could have been somebody related to me, you know? And I think that that's why it kind of hit me a little bit harder. Um, and I remember him telling me, he's just like, he's like, you can't take this with you. He's mm -hmm. like, we would go crazy. If we did this, he's like, somebody has to do this. Somebody has to um, be strong enough to handle this. And he's like, and if you let these things stop you, you know, and you get emotional, you're, you're worthless to the situation. Yeah. You, you can't like go forward. You can't, you're not helping anybody by sitting there and thinking about it. He's just like, you can think about it eventually, or you can do something, mm -hmm. you know, he's just like, you know, do something for the family, do something for your family. Um, don't dwell on the things that you can't change. You know, he's like, this happened and, and, and it's a sad situation and I'm sure his family is heartbroken, but you are not doing anything by stopping your life mm -hmm. and worrying about that. That does nothing. You have to move forward and either decide what you're going to do to live your life to the fullest, you know? Yeah. I'm sure that's a, a pretty tough job because there's a TikTok channel that I follow yeah. It's uh, people who call 911. And recently I just, because like after you brought this up, I instantly yeah. thought of this. Um, she, it, it was a lady dispatcher and some, some guy called and he's like, hey, I just murdered my whole family, like not knowing what to do. And the lady, she paused for a second, but then right away she's like, oh, like where's, how many people are in the house? I'm like, how are you so calm? Like this yeah. man just said he just shot everybody in the head and you're just... Oh, are they, what are you doing? Like, you know, like, exactly. Are I mean, they okay? Like, yeah. Are they breathing or anything like that? Yeah. And the guy is so calm, and I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, how you? And then you can hear her like whispering, be like, what do I do? Like, yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it's a really, really tough job. There was a lot of times where, um, we would get these phone calls, and it would be like in the middle of the night, and they would just hang up. You know, and there was a nine one one call, and my thought automatically was just kind of like, "Oh, kids," you know, mm -hmm. they just called nine one one and hung up. You know, but we always had this um, obligation to call the number back. You know, and so I would call back, and I would be like, "Hey, this is nine one one. We just received a phone call," and um, 
you, most of the time they would be like, oh, it was just my kids. Um, sorry, sorry mm-hmm. for sorry for bothering you, you know. But I had to tell the police officer and the police officer had to get up and had to go and check it out. And you would be surprised how many instances it was like a domestic dispute or it was um, children who were witnessing their, their parents fighting, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that, that were trying to get help. But then, you know, they either changed their mind or they saw their dad coming or, you know what I mean? And, and they would hang up. And I just think back about how many lives were, were saved by yeah. doing something like that, you know, by, by getting up in the middle of the night and going to check. And sometimes it was just, you know, a kid that called 911 and hung up. Me. But other times, <laughs> but other times it was really something that was, that was needed. And, um, I really think that that job really, it made me grow up in a different way and it made me see things in a different way and, you know, kind of, um, think about things like, um, with like a cold head and a cold heart and mm-hmm. just kind of just be like, okay, this is what's happening, but I can't, I can't focus on that and I can't get sad. I'll get sad later. Mm-hmm. I'll, um, think about it later. I'll, I'll be depressed later. Yeah. Right now I, I have to see, you know, find a solution and move forward to the, with the solution. And, um, anyways, uh, being there, I, I ended up, um, I was living with my daughter's, uh, dad at the time. And, um, we ended up just kind of having an argument because I wanted to have, um, like continue my education. Uh, he wanted me to, you know, stay at home and like cook and clean and take care of our daughter, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, we kind of decided to part ways at that time. And, and I think that, um, when we parted ways, it, it just made me think of things differently. You know, it made me think of this whole time I've been putting my daughter, like I can't do this because I have a daughter. And it made me just kind of switch it on myself. And, and if I don't do this, because of her, mm-hmm. what am I going to do it for? You know, she she became my reason for moving forward and finding something that I wanted to do. Um, and so then around that time, I always knew I loved makeup, but it was uh, it's Idaho, and it, back then it wasn't it wasn't something that was really, like really big. And so I remember telling Mari, I'm just like, I want to do this, but I only like makeup. I don't like hair, you know? And and so she was just like, it's Idaho. Like, what are you going to do Monday through Friday? Are mm-hmm. you only going to work on the weekends? Like, you know? And so then I'm like, okay, well, I'll go. Um, it's when she was teaching at Austin Cade. And I'm like, I'll go. I'll take a tour. And then I'll decide what I want to do from there, you know? And so then I decided to do cosmetology school. And I'm like, I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to like it, you know? Like... <laughs> Um, I like to do hairstyles, but I don't want to, I don't want to be doing pedicures and I don't want to be doing men's cuts and that type of thing, you know? Um, And then when I went there and I realized how much science was actually involved in it, you know, how much thinking you actually have to put in it, um, it just changed my mindset. I'm just like, I love this. I love using my brain, you know, and, and like, I loved that thinking of like, you know, like. I'm sure we've all seen it. I'm sure, you know, you've gone to a store and like seen somebody's hair and be like, well, well that hair's supposed to be blonde, but why is it kind of green, mm-hmm. you know, or why is, uh, why is it purple or, you know what I mean? Like, like, was that on purpose or, you know, and, and I had seen those people before, but I never like actually like going to beauty school and finding out the reasons why the things that people that think that they can do it at home were doing that mm-hmm. was causing this to happen. Like it was so fun to me and I became so like in love with color. I still love makeup. I I think I love the transformation, you know? Um, but it it made me realize like there's, there's a lot more to it than I think a lot of people think. And that made me become so passionate about it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 
So when you said you started your, your salon, was it just you by yourself at first? It was. Just and me by myself. Um, it was in that same location that you guys have, or was it? It was else? actually right next to it. It's mm-hmm. um, four hundred square feet, so it's very small. Um, when I worked at Austin Kate, it was great, but I miss the salon. Like I miss actually, it was great teaching people, and I learned a lot from it. But I missed just doing it myself. Yeah, in the environment. So yeah, so it was just me. Um, my sister Lori, I I tried to talk her into coming back and you know we were actually in beauty school together for a couple months and so I always would kind of go back to her and be like come on come on but I was building it was hard mm-hmm. and she was at a point where she couldn't uh she needed a steady paycheck yeah so um so did I but <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> but I just it, I struggled at the beginning mm-hmm. so it took some time was, so. was your husband really supportive? He was. He was. So if I didn't have money to make rent, and he was the one I had to, you know, all the remodeling, all the flooring, um, the comp- a lot of things, um, the computer system, the, the booking system. He he took on some stuff, and then later on, he taught me how to do it. Mm-hmm. So I would just be on my own after. So when you like, so once you started, did you already have like a like a clientele base following? Or were you just cold turkey thrown out there and you're like, start over from when I, you did? I had a good clientele. I actually did. Um, you Back then, really in Idaho Falls, I was one of the only Latinas, you know, uh, knowing um, our Hispanic hair and everything. I was one of the only ones that I can think of. There was Freddie, but he did more men um Mm -hmm. cutting yeah and and me i was one of the ones that kind of stuck through it you know one of the first ones that Mm -hmm. that um kept at it you know just doing what kind of time frame are we talking so people are here they're listening like what what year i started in 2010 Mm -hmm. and then i was there for five years and then i think coco came along um, oh so you were five years by yourself Uh uh-huh i think it was three years Three years. years? Yeah. I was by myself. Yeah. Because you came in the smaller location. Yeah. So yeah. I was there. And I, at first I tried to, I I wanted to figure out what was me. I, I didn't know yet. And so I hired a lot of, I hired a few stylists, not a lot, maybe a couple. And um, it just wasn't working. It mm. wasn't working. And then um, when I finally figured out what I was going to do um, and I wanted it to be all, um, Everybody spoke Spanish. Mm-hmm. So we understood we the the pelo latino. Mm-hmm. Us Latinas uh, like to spend a lot of money on ourselves. <laughs> um, so it's good money. Um, and I think when I decided on that, everybody needs to be bilingual. We're going to understand ethnic hair uh, or Hispano hair, whatever. And that's when it started to take off and then Coco joined the team and I think Coco um it's it's hard to do it all Mm -hmm. just one person it's so hard to do it all and I was doing that but I felt like I was behind the chair a lot and just trying to make ends meet and pay rent and do everything so when Coco came it took a lot of weight off of me Mm -hmm. because she was like I'll do social media you Mm -hmm. know (laughs) and so she came and um 
that helped me a lot. And then we just started to grow. Pretty soon we were doing quinceañeras, weddings, and um, we would have the people recording the party. And the salon was like this big, as big as your studio. Mm -hmm. And we were like, oh, uh, we don't fit here, you know? Mm -hmm. And then eventually we decided to go on and run a bigger space and get a bigger space. Yeah. How was it for you in the beginning? Were you... Like, cause you had to build the clientele, right? Mm -hmm. So after you graduated from uh, school, did you go and work with her right away? Yes, I did. And I remember she had given me some advice. She had told me like, you're going to go into it a hundred percent or don't do it at all. Mm -hmm. And so then I know a lot of people that when they graduate, um, it works for them to do part-time and then they have another job part-time and they're, they have that steady income. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, took her advice and I decided to like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And if I'm going to fail, I might fail, but I'm not going to give up that easy. I'm going to try to do this full time and, um, hopefully it works out. You know what I mean? Sink or swim. Yeah. It was, it was my only option. And so I, as soon as I graduated, I did this full time and, um, you know, having that pressure on yourself of like, yeah, I think it's kind of a relief and I think that that's why a lot of people do the part-time thing, you know, where they're like, I get paid a certain amount here, but I, I knew, and at this time I still lived in, in Dubois, so I would drive down every day. Oh, dang. Yeah, and I, I did that I think for the first maybe eight months and then I ended up moving back, you know, here into town. But there would be days where I would drive all the way from Dubois in a big old suburban. So we all know those take up some gas, oh, yeah. you know, I would come here and then I would have that um, client just no show. Oh, wow. So I was actually out money, mm -hmm. you know, instead of making money or, you know, like getting out and being hungry, but being like, if I go and eat with what I spent on gas and then if I, you know, eat out today, I'm, I'm going to be out. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had to like struggle a little bit at the beginning. Um, but luckily I think, I think at that point, and I think still, um, the Latino community has been looking for somebody who specializes in their hair and, um, who understands their hair and who, mm -hmm. you know, we all want to be blonde at one point <laughs> and it's not, <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. You know, the struggle. And, yeah. um, um, so, so I think it, it was just, um, us finding them and them finding us and finding out that, you know, like, um, you know, slowly but steadily, we can get them to their hair goals. It was, it was kind of nice, you know, finding that niche that we belong to, I think, um, really helped us to just kind of, um, skyrocket, um, our business. Because yeah, uh, to me, it sounds like you guys found what your target market was going to be. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so, w what are some tips that for other people listening, getting into this, uh, you know, this field? What would you tell? Like, what did you guys do in the beginning in order to start getting the, that clientele? You know, did you guys go to events and like be like, "Hey, I'll do your hair," or like, wh what were some of the things you guys were doing in the beginning? Um, definitely. I mean, definitely. I remember going into the salon and just praying. Um, Padre Nuestro, hoping people would come in, you know, that was the beginning. But definitely, I think social media has helped so much. Um, and it's, you know, free, basically, yeah. you can pay to get more. Um, um, but it's also a full time you know, job. It's also, and you just have to stick to it. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like a lot of a, a lot of us, um, I, I know a lot of people that, that are stylists, a lot of them give up too soon. Mm -hmm. A lot of them give up and you have to have to stick to it. And I still have days where I've been doing this for 17 years. So I still have days that I am like, what am I doing? 
I maybe I should do something else. And just know that that's always going to be there. Um, but you have to be consistent and you have to be there for your clients. You have to be there full time. Mm-hmm. And if you know that's all you have and um, you have to work at it, it, it will be it, it will be fine. Um, and just know it takes work. I, like you said, um, think about your parents. Think about your grandparents. They didn't give up. Mm-hmm. So you can't give up. You have to have to put in some work. Yeah. You can't just show up and hope that somebody gets there yeah. no you have to sometimes i think of someone oh i haven't seen rosa you know mm-hmm. i haven't seen her for a while and so i actually look at styles and i'm like hey i've been thinking about you i think this look would be awesome on you what do you think you know like i i go i would send them personalized text messages if you come in you get 20 dollars off mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i you have to do it you have to do it you have sometimes you will lose money to get a picture out there and, and you're not going to make any money. You know, you're going to take the time, do the makeup, do the hair and everything and do a photo shoot and you're not making money off of that. Mm-hmm. But maybe by them seeing that picture or those images, it will inspire them to be like, oh, mm-hmm. I want to do something to my hair. Yeah. So you have to sometimes, and we do training. Um, we went to Vegas, um, we, Chicago, Chicago, everywhere. Mexico City. Yeah. yeah. And so um, to do training, you know, um, and that's really important. You, you can never think you know it all because you don't. Mm-hmm. And you have to know there's always somebody out there that's going to do something better at you. But it, your package, your attitude, your personality, everything. Um, having a business is not just doing good hair. That's not enough. Mm-hmm. You have to know how to talk to someone. You have to treat them well. Um, sometimes, like I said, they're not happy. You have to lose money. To- lose money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to choose your battles. And, and if that's one of them, that's okay, you know. Um, but what about I you, think, Coco? Yeah. What were some of your techniques that you would use in the beginning? Because that's the hardest part that I get from like a lot of people who you know who are uh, stylists, the cosmetologists, you know, barbers, is that initial, you know, in the beginning where you have to get that clientele. So, any tips for people are yeah. Helpful. Um. Well, I just I think that like at the beginning, social media was one of the bigger things. You know, like going on there, and I wanted people to know that when they needed anything done that it was it it was me you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like like if they needed a haircut they like I was posting everything that I did if Mm -hmm. I posted a haircut uh if I did an eyebrow wax if I did you know anything I would put it out there and you know eventually when somebody needed something done they were just like oh yeah what's the name of that girl that's always posting stuff you know and then they would message me Mm -hmm. um do you do this do you do that you know and and uh at the beginning it was things that I wasn't like super passionate about you know but like anything like I I did love the beauty industry you know and so then it was um, one of those things where I may have not loved to do like gel nail polish you know but I would have done it because I needed to fill in the gaps you Mm -hmm. know what I mean Um, I think eventually you you come to a point where you can specialize in something but at the beginning you kind of have to be a jack of all trades and kind of try everything and do everything and you know get them in through the door Mm -hmm. and eventually you start molding your your clientele to what you want it to to focus on you know like Mm -hmm. if somebody came in and just um, 
wanted to do their eyebrows, you know, eventually I'd start talking about them, like about their haircut, like when was the last time they got it done? What was it doing now um, that they didn't like and what did they want it to do? And so then I'd start offering solutions to their problems. And I think that that is very, very important. You just don't want to sell to make money. Uh, you want to um, provide a solution to somebody's problem. That is the reason why people go to to businesses, you know? Yeah. And so then um, they would be like, oh yeah, my hair just doesn't get any volume. And so I'd be like, well, if we had some shorter layers, if we do this, if we frame your face, like tell them how it was going to compliment them. All of a sudden, the, it became not just about a haircut. It was more of a solution to a problem that they were having. Mm. And they appreciated that. You know, it wasn't just a sale. Yeah. It was um, something to help them. And so um, choosing the right color for their skin tone, you know, that type of thing. They they really appreciated that it's not just you trying to make a dollar off of them, and it, it, that it's more... Um, uh, something that's customized to them. And I, and I feel like people see that, mm -hmm. they, you know, they, they can tell when you're just selling to sell and they can tell when you're passionate about what you do um, and are, are trying to do what's best, not only, you know, for them, but for you and, and build a relationship. You know, I'm like, I'm lucky to have the, the clients that I have now, like I look forward to seeing them. Mm -hmm. I like know their kids. I know their family. Like I, when they go on vacation, I'm excited for them to come back and, and like talk about it, you mm -hmm. know? And, and you, you can't, you can't just put like a number on somebody. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it It's a relationship that mm -hmm. you build with them. And I think that that you have to really work on that, you know, and it has to be people that you like. You ha It has to be, you know, they have to like you, but you also have to like them. Yeah. And it becomes so much easier when you, you find your people, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, the more of those people that you do, they refer their friends and then, um, you start building and building and building. So, to me, I think that that was kind of the biggest thing is kind of, you know, picturing the type of people that I wanted to work on mm -hmm. and um, really focusing like everything, you know, social media posts, um, you know, if, if, um, if I was like shopping around, what would I want to see? Yeah. And then kind of putting that out there and seeing if I had like a good reaction, a bad reaction, no reaction, you know, and then kind of like molding it from there, you know, mm. um, the captions, the pictures, everything has to do with it. And it, it, it is a full-time job. You have to find out what, what works and what doesn't. And mm. so, um, it's a lot of trial and error, I think. And it's, uh, but you have to know like where you're going, mm. you know, you have to have an idea of what you want to do in the end. And, and by uh, the way you find out is just like, what makes you happy, yeah. you know? And I think that's what scares a lot of people. Like don't give up cause you don't know. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you, it takes time to figure it out. Not everybody's, um, road is going to be the same. Sometimes you might have to go off of several times before you find. Yeah. It, it's funny. Cause I feel like a lot of us, don't know like it's what we do like whatever mm -hmm. you do we just we try to figure it out somehow like there's a lot of stuff that i don't know and it comes back to like yesterday i had a photo shoot but i ended i ended up canceling it because i drove all the way to rexburg we're ready to go but it's raining it's mm -hmm. cloudy i know how makeup works with the rain the wind and i was like let's just reschedule i was like i'm not about like i could have went out there and like took some pictures real quick and then been like all right you owe me money but it's not about the money it's about I want you, when you get your pictures, I want you to love them. Yeah. You know, I don't want you to be like, oh, like he just took them because we we're out there. So, you know, I'm glad you guys are explaining like the process in the beginning yeah. because a lot of people don't realize or a lot of people quit 
during yeah. that like clientele phase, like where you have to build clientele. I know some people who get upset because they're just sitting around a lot, you know, and it, that's just something that goes on in the beginning. So kind of listen to your, your, both of your story and how everything works out. Um, my mom get, goes with you and mm-hmm. it makes sense now. Um, a while back, a couple of years, I asked her, I'm like, why do you get so excited when you go and get your hair done? <laughs> Cause she goes to yeah. you and I, yeah. and she's like, I don't know. It, it's, I don't know how to explain it, but it's weird. And it makes sense now to me hearing your story on, she's happy when she's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go get my hair done this date. And then she goes and gets it down. And even now, like, I'm like, Oh mom, your hair looks nice. Just, just because I know (laughs) what it means to her to go and get her hair done. And especially like hearing your story, it makes sense. Like I haven't stepped in your foot in your shop, but now I feel like I've been there, you know, just if I know my mom's like everything to me. So like when, if she's happy, then like something you're doing something right. That's making her happy to go and see you yeah and i mean just like you said that your mom like looks and you know sees her schedule and it's like you know i have my haircut i am the exact same way i look at my schedule and i'm just like oh my gosh like she's coming in and last time she told me she was going to try this new recipe and so i'm excited to hear about it or you know like she told me this about her son and i want to know what's going on and you really built that relationship with somebody and I get really invested, you know what I mean, in that person. And so it's it's really awesome to see them grow and it's awesome for them to see you grow and yeah. and it becomes kind of like a little family. Yeah, we have so we fun. have families that come in and it's like, you know, the all all the sisters, the grandma, we literally know everybody <laughs> as it's growing. We did their hair for their first communion quinceañera, wedding, wedding and yeah. then now Make their up kids. for their divorce. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it's funny because you, you talk about that because like I, I take pictures for some people and they're like, hey, like you're going to be seeing this person like as soon as they they're continuing. I'm like, oh, shit, I might, you know, like, yeah, because like when you start doing it, like they start like, hey, like take pictures, of this person, this person. And so, but I also have a question, especially for being a business owner, you know, like there was a unfortunately a lot of businesses weren't able to survive it, you know, th- during the whole shutdown. Um, how, how did you guys do during COVID or like leading up to COVID there, there, you know, it's, it, it was what, like in, uh, what is it? February, January, yeah. like they were talking about it a lot. And then March we have to shut down. Like, how was that for you guys? It was, it was really hard. Um, we were close for two months mm-hmm. and, um, it's, I, I couldn't have gone one more month if I was lucky enough that I was saving some money, but we were planning to do a huge remodel. We had actually knocked down some walls and everything. So that had to stop. And I said, I can't, I can't continue this remodel because I don't know how much longer. Mm-hmm. At first, I will tell you the first week I was like, yay, I've always wanted to know what it feels like to be a stay-at-home mom mm-hmm. and just clean and take care of my kids, you know? <laughs> so the first week or two, it was really nice. And then after that, they're like, okay. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. And we were like, oh no, what do we do? And it was hard because I had to keep all the staff, you know, kind of, um, positive and everything. And, you know, I was scared because some salons were open and doing haircuts and whatnot, but I was scared because I was like, uh, are we going to get a fine? Mm -hmm. Am I going to get my license taken away? Which is the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then really I made it to where we remodeled some of it. So we weren't even able to go back. So it was just like a rush. Okay. We need to get this done before we go back. But, um, luckily we were all 
pretty okay and yeah. we've made it and when we went back it's been so busy like i feel like it's been crazy we haven't had any slow times mm -hmm. whatsoever usually we get our slow times like in um january february and then like october september and this year we didn't see it at all mm -hmm. mainly we i think people just got tired of that shutdown you know were you guys doing anything between it i know some places were trying to like put like some product bundles and then like selling that to their clients. Did you guys do anything like that? You know, I mean, I think I tried, but I honestly, I, I was a little depressed. Like I got, <laughs> I got really, um, all I did was work. I mean, I have mm -hmm. always worked at least six days a week, sometimes seven. And, and it's just like a constant go, go, go. And all of a sudden stopping, like mm -hmm. I have four kids at home and I, and I joke around about this, but there is always a little bit of truth in the jokes that you make. I, I had told one of my sisters that is a stay at home wife and she takes care of my kids. I told her, I'm just like, if I actually knew I had to raise my children, <laughs> I wouldn't have had four of them. <laughs> you know, like it, it's just one of those things where I just, I never, never pictured myself being a stay at home yeah. wife. Like I never actually stop long enough to mm. actually like sit there and think about the day. Like it, it was just so many thoughts that were going through my head and it was very exhausting. Like I, yeah. I got very depressed and I was very much like, well, since I can't do what I love, I just won't do anything at all. You know, yeah. like, and I just would just sit on the couch and just kind of look at videos and imagine <laughs> highlighting their hair. It was, it was a sad, sad moment for me, but you know, um, looking back, it just made me want to, you know, like, I know, I know what this pandemic means. And I know that a lot of people, like we say, like we are essential and a lot of people are like, but no, but I'm just like the, the communication that you have with your clients, it's healthy for them and it's healthy for us, you know? And, and it's, um, it's one of those things that I appreciated my job so much more. I um, don't ever complain anymore about being tired. It was just kind of like, luckily, I still get to do what I love. A lot of people haven't found that passion and they enjoy having their days off because they don't like their job. Mm -hmm. I love my job mm -hmm. and I just, I can't wait to go back the next day and do it again. And it is a real big blessing to be able to, to find what you love and to actually be able to do it every single day. And I think that the pandemic did show us that like, you know, like what if everything is taken away from you? What are you going to do then? You know, yeah. I didn't, I didn't do the best because I was just like, I'll just do nothing. <laughs> I'll just sit here and wallow in my self pity. But, um, but it does make you value what you do. And we went back and probably worked for three weeks straight. I don't think we had, we yeah. took appointments on Sunday. Yeah. Like, like early morning, late night. Yeah. So we were, yeah. People yeah. got tired of that shutdown. They wanted to get yeah. out. They still, to this point, like I, I know traveling is a little hard, uh, especially like out of the country or some states are still kind of closed, you know, so people are just fed up and over it and ready to get back to normal. But do you guys feel like the, it's going to be, back to how it used to be because it, it's still kind of weird like people yeah. still wear like some places you still have to go and you have to wear masks the whole uh what's it called the vaccine thing is going around like some places are trying to force that on uh, on some people you know like what, what do you guys think is going to happen do you guys require certain like we, facial coverings or anything like that for your shop we don't um we we never well we would wear them at the beginning but for clients it was always up to them mm -hmm. um and we did we were a little bit more strict at the beginning yeah um, only the person that had the appointment could come in um and whatnot but i i always kind of look at them and see if if 
it's someone older or whatnot and they're wearing a face mask then i put one on Mm -hmm. um i kind of do ask them okay do you prefer i wear a face mask or are you okay and just kind of take it that way um depend but i hope we're just getting out of this i don't yeah i hope it doesn't go too much longer we all need yeah, I, I actually went to church last night, and it was the first time I've been there that you don't have to be wearing a face mask. It was weird. Like, you're getting used to, like, everybody stay away from me, wear a mask. And yesterday I was like, dude, you're really, like, I can feel your breathing in the back of my head. Yeah. But I, ho- I hope that everything goes back. Do you, do you, as a salon, is there any upcoming changes or just anything, updates that you might, in the works that you guys have? Um. Oh, well, we have... Um we have Madel um, Atunes. Um, she's coming. Um, we actually took a class from her in Utah. She does bridal hairstyling, and um, she does amazing. She does like a Russian technique where it's just so beautiful. If you look in her social media, um, we posted some pictures when we took her class. I have never taken a class from a Latina um, in Spanish and it was all in Spanish. It was something a little bit different when you're just forced to just speak Spanish. But um, she is amazing. She was a great instructor, but she was harsh at the same time, but she cared. Mm -hmm. Like she was like, that's not what I did. Change it up. And this is what I did. And um, she is so passionate and, um, whatnot and we loved it so much so we're bringing her here you guys are gonna host it yeah and so we're gonna host it it's gonna be august 8th and 9th um and she's gonna be teaching classes for those two days and it's gonna be mostly like a special event styling and that's what we have um that's coming up that's pretty exciting yeah i've seen a lot of people have been doing things like this like they'll bring like a a a stylist a barber or something like that just because uh I mean, you probably see the benefit of learning all these different techniques, you know, especially like if you're willing to learn, are you allowing other people from different shops to oh, go yeah, as well? Of course, we're inviting people in um, to come and join us. Yes, uh, we are super excited to just share with someone else. You know, a, a lot of the girls at the salon took the class, but I just want people here to come mm. and and witness her like talent and she shares everything you know a lot of people don't want to share sometimes their tips and techniques and and i i'm not like that Mm. i i will teach you we have high school kids that come and shadow us their senior project and everything and um our stylists that are graduating that want to come in and just you know see how you do things Mm -hmm. yeah um we have that happen all the time and i'm more than willing to share what i learn um anytime and so um that's why we're broader because i want the town here to grow and i'm really excited there's all these shops coming i think that's awesome and that just pushes you to want to be better and better yourself it keeps you on your toes yeah, I, was gonna, yeah. I was gonna ask you that but you kind of answered already that it's if i know when you said you started obviously we all knew that there's not a lot of anything here but <laughs> yeah now i feel like lately there's been like a huge saturation of like just every industry just pouring in yes and i mean you kind of answered it but what do you have anything else to like add to it like what do you think like so many shops just popping up left and right everybody like it seems that they're doing something um do you, is, do you see that as a good thing or a bad thing? Or um, I know. I, th- I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be better. I want something to push me to be better. And um, 
take advanced classes and everything. So I, I, I welcome it. And I think, um, we went to this class in Utah and we, everybody had an introduction kind of just talked about themselves. And I came back thinking like, we have a lot to grow, a lot of room. We have a lot of people. There's enough people to go around for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I welcome it. I'm, I'm super excited. Um, was it that last show that you guys were, yeah, uh, you guys were posting a lot about it. Like they, you guys were talking, like you guys were like, uh, the special guest, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. And I mean, she, her passion is contagious. Like she owns a school that is just for um, hairstyling and makeup. And what I think was really unique about hers is um, when you become a cosmetologist, you have to get a license and you have to do that through the state. So a lot of people um, that want to do this, that may not have um, sus papeles en orden, mm-hmm. can't do it because I mean, you can study. But yeah. then when it comes to getting your license, you can't. And if they find out that you're doing it um, without a license, you can get in really big trouble. Mm-hmm. And so then um, what she ended up doing was uh, just finding kind of a loophole. And she was kind of like, well, makeup and hairstyling, you don't have to have a license for that. So she opened up her own school to um, be able to be teach. able to uh, yeah teach this trade to the people that that couldn't necessarily get their license um, the traditional way and still be able to have a career in the beauty industry and so I thought that that was something really um, unique and powerful to show you like you can you can do what you want you mm-hmm. just have to find out you know like a way around it don't just let one thing stop you yeah find you know and and seeing her and seeing just her passion for um this specialty is just, it's amazing. Like you honestly have to experience it for yourself and, um, to be able to know what we're talking about. Cause we came back and we were so pumped, yes. like still so pumped by, uh, um, to just put little techniques into, into place that she taught us. And, and you know, one thing she strived a lot and I totally agree with it is like, find something that you're good at and choose that one thing and be the best one mm-hmm. so that when someone says podcast, all they think about is Edgar or makeup. All yeah. they think about is Coco. So, um, I, that kind of, you know just that's why we go to these shows because it just fills you up and Mm -hmm. you come back and you just want to keep working harder it's it's so nice to go and sit down and learn from someone else um their experiences um i actually even talked to my dad the other day and he's just like no mija don't settle do this do that and i'm just (laughs) like okay you know so um just do do you ever plan on uh Cause you're, I'm sure you guys' clientele is big, and then with like uh, John mentioned, a lot of people who are going to school now. There's like barbers, cosmetologists, all sorts like just coming out. Are you guys planning on growing your shop any anytime soon? Okay, <laughs> so um, things aren't set in stone yet, but um, hopefully soon. I mean, things are in the works; they're getting like uh, set up. So. Um, Hopefully we're going to open up like a, another uh, salon. So I'd be opening my own branch of the salon. I have a different name and stuff, but um, it's going to be kind of like a sister company to Divine Expressions. And um, I think we've kind of gotten to that point where we're ready to, to grow. And and um, I just want to take a moment to say I, I wouldn't have been able to do it without Mari. I am so grateful to have her as my mentor and, and show me the ropes of... Uh, 
of being able to do it with maybe no business background and just growing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really excited. I mean, we're, we're looking at locations right now and getting ready to open it up, but it'll probably be a couple of months until we get everything going. But um, now that you brought it up, I guess cat's out of the bag. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Cause like I, I want, I want to see everybody just grow and yeah. get bigger. And what I liked a lot was like, when I asked that question, she actually lit up, like she's extremely happy for yeah. you. Instead of being like, why don't you just stay here? You know, like, you know, try to like, <laughs> I'm the one that's supposed to, you know, no, you no, know what I mean? Like, no, I'm not like I, that at all. Yeah. When I asked that question, I didn't think, I didn't think you were like that, but yeah. just the way you lit up when you, when I asked yeah. the question and you let her answer, yes. it, it goes to show a lot about, you know, Mari and how she is as a person. She, she wants to see you grow. She wants you, you know, to, to have your own stuff, yes. to grow, to build your own thing too, as well. She's not here to, hold anybody back or you know yeah so i thought that was really cool that yes uh, definitely i'll i'll tell you the truth i was really sad there's been days that i cry (laughs) you know thinking about it but at the end of the day she's my sister i wanted to do great and if anybody i always tell the girls this at the salon bunny if you ever went on and did your own salon like that's that's awesome. You know, mm-hmm. that's huge. I'll, I'll be there to support you in any way that I can. If my sister Lori decided to do anything or Iris or, Ruby. or Ruby, if they ever decided to do and go a different way with something, um, I totally support them. And even the girls that have been there and not with me anymore, like I mm-hmm. totally wish them the best. I follow them. I like their pictures. I tell them great job. I've been thinking about you. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I love to see people grow. It's so much easier and like peace of mind to be nice than to to be rude or hateful towards. I, I feel like it takes so much more work to be like negative and hateful towards somebody than to be like, hey, nice job. Like, you know, congrats on whatever you're doing, you know, and like keep doing it. Because uh, there's those people who just like, it just seems like they hate life. Like, yeah. like they're so mad yeah. about, I'm like, why are you so mad? Like, yeah. why are you so angry? Like what did I do to you? I didn't do anything to you. But that, that's good that you say that. You you you're willing to help because I, unfortunately I, we we've talked about this in other podcasts. But like us as Latinos, sometimes we just we feel that everybody's our competition, even which is no. bad. Like we the should help sun each can other shine for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that that's good you say it because it's it, it's we can see that like. The sun's changing on the other side of the of the moon, you know. Like, yeah, you, we're changing as way that we think. Like, we're like the use, like you said. There's enough for everybody. Um, there's no reason why I shouldn't support you or support you instead of having that closed mentality. It's like, why am I going to help you if you're just going to take away from me? You and know? there's different likes and dislikes. Yeah. You know, like I might like a certain thing about you, and then I might like something else mm. about some another person. I've had girls that are my clients, and now they're hairstylists. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and um, then they were my students, and then they worked for me, and then you know all these different things. I I I love that. I love yeah. to see them grow, and um, yeah, support them totally. Yeah, just like what, like based off what he said. It, it, it's funny like when a, an event happens like say canelo fights all these hispanics get together and root for the same guy but then like when it's like hey like uh, uh some guy you know and he's also hispanic nah like man, yeah. muy, you know like something like dude like if we support all like each other and not just our race like all the races yeah, like, if exactly. we support everybody like especially in our community like we can all grow 
tremendously you know oh, yeah. and that's why I, I always try to help out wherever i can like of course i, I can't go get my makeup done you know but you know what i mean like i try to help where i can like do what i can to help but even if it's just like a like or a share or things like that or to like you guys like i've been there every time i go vote for my own podcast i go through and i vote for you guys yes, <laughs> there's yes. also uh What's her name? Uh, Letty from uh, Pelonas. Pelonas. Yeah. I vote for her. I vote for yeah. like Rip. The guys over at Ripped. Uh, like I said, you guys. I mean, there's a bunch of them on there. We're we're coming up there, you yeah. know. Like I'm like the more you see, the more the more you hear about these um, businesses popping up, and and it's really amazing. It's funny because I messaged her when I was talking to her about the podcast. I was like, I don't know who to vote for because you guys are both under like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. best hairstylist, and she's like. Uh, Mari and she's like best salon I was like yes done <laughs> I know I told the girls they're like hey and I'm like just vote for Coco best stylist the salon and that's what when she has her own salon well you'll have to decide yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take, uh, One I'll take bribes my, my mom came in she's like hey uh, they she because I talked about how the podcast was also nominated yeah. and she's like oh Coco was nominated you should vote for from for me like three yeah. years I'm like all right, mom, I'll go ahead and vote. And, <laughs> and it's just, it's crazy how that, oh, that's spreading that's around sweet. too. And yeah, uh, so I'm excited for you guys. Uh, like, I want to thank you guys for coming on just because you guys have such an incredible story. Like, where you guys come from, where your parents come from, which is really powerful. You know, I, I hope people listening got to think during that time, like, where did your parents or whoever your guardians are at the time? Because, you know, some people, yeah. um, you know, hopefully it motivates you to become better. Maybe because I hate to say my little brother, Diego, all the time, he just sits. I try to push him to do stuff. I'm like, get out here and do something, you know, like just do it. Like I've met kids his age who are into stocks, into real estate. Like I'm like, dude, yeah. you're 19 years old. I was like, I wish I had somebody uh, like with the mentality like that, that we have to help push the younger generation because a lot of them are getting lazy. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Talk to someone that's <laughs> older, wiser. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, it's funny because I feel like it's like like a parent to him because mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, like do this. I'm like, trust me. If by the time you turn thirty, I was like, you'll be in a whole different like like you'll have your investments up, yeah. your assets up, and then you'll be able to pay for all the stuff that you want now. But like without it coming out of your pockets, your investments are going to pay for it. And then some of your friends at that time are going to be still working paycheck to paycheck you know living the same life i was like you got to make those changes now you know like uh, i tell them all the time I, i wish i had somebody like myself that I would should. tell me at my like at his age and because i would have listened and you know like kind of like how you mentor all your uh your your stylist you know like you you push them you you motivate them and it's not not to like just so you can have the best line you want the best for them you know yes. like Um, so, you know, I'm glad you guys were able to come on. It really inspired me. I was really, you know, like it motivates me every time I sit here and talk to people, it motivates me to, to, to continue to grow, to, you know, continue to be better. So yeah, everybody else that's hearing and their moms go with, with both of you and your salon. Yeah. You can uh, understand why they're happy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, uh, what was your guys' Instagram? So if people want to go and check you guys out. Um, so my Instagram is Coco Zen underscore professional. Um, divine expressions and that's expressions without an e mm -hmm. and then underscore salon so one question before we go though is your really name actually coco 
You know what? We ain't going to talk about that right now. <laughs> okay. <So laughs> just it's kidding. Just kidding. Oh. Um, I, I've, I've, um, so Mari, my name is Maria del Socorro. Uh-huh. Um, I was named after my mother. And um, if anybody knows, like Socorros, they're called Coco. Um, you know, that's like short for them. And so um, I was Coco since I was, since I can remember. I think I had like a realization like at, nine or 10 when somebody was like, Oh, Socorrito. And I was like, who, my mom's inside. What are you talking about? And so then, um, it's been really hard for me to, to go by my, my real name because I have been She's Coco been all Coco. my life, like in school, like, um, after I moved into town and, and, um, you know, they, like I would, uh, have my, my bosses give me like a referral or whatever. And, they would call and they're like, Hey, do you know, do you know Maria? And, and they would be like, uh, I'm sorry. I don't know who you're talking about, you know? And so then they would be like, are you sure? She said that she's working for you or she has been working for you. And they talk a little bit and they're like, you mean Coco, you know? And, and so it's, it's something that I've always, I've always been called Coco. When anybody else calls me anything else, I feel like they're mad at me or like, Oh, you, you really don't know me or you know what I mean? And so, um, yeah. Coco. Coco. Just well, stick with you, Coco. Yeah, there you have it. Yeah, because I have a similar story. A friend, I didn't know his name for the longest time. And so someone's like, hey, where's Carlos? And I'm like, who's that? And they're like, you talk to him all the time. I'm like, Chucho? <laughs> and I was like, I didn't even know his name like, for the longest yeah. time. I'm like, I didn't know his name was Carlos. But anyways, thank you guys for coming. Uh, thank you guys for listening. And we'll catch you guys on the next one. Thank you. See you guys. Te quiero ver gozar y pasarla bien Vamos mira que caliente se ha puesto el weekend La temperatura en 100 Y el cuello frozen Ya estamos en otro nivel Yo he visto a mi calotea Prendan los motores que nos vamos Aquí todos los días son de verano De lunes a lunes nunca